6 o'clock hour wrapped up. On to the 7 p.m. session. One hour down, two to go here on After Hours. Dusty Likens, Christina Sarah with you. 913-586-7610. Jay Southland, Toast Service Text Line. Getting deeper and deeper into the parlays, which we love to see. I also just love to see when I seem like I know what I'm talking about. Like when you put a futures bet on Mahomes win MVP and Justin Jefferson to win Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah, those two are looking really nice. Yeah, they're they're almost locks. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I seriously I'm glad I got those when I did. Yeah, I was like. For a little bit, it was looking a little dicey with Justin Jefferson because of Tyreek, but he's he's looking pretty safe right now. Yeah, because I was just scrolling through Twitter during the break, and it had something where it was like I read the Mahomes one where he was start. They had it at MGM. It started out at plus seven hundred. Last week he was minus. I think he was like minus one fifty, and now he's minus five hundred to win it. Which means, come on, um, they had the same thing about. Uh, Justin Jefferson, except his was a little bit more egregious. It was like plus 2,000 to start the year. Um, And then the second one was last week he was plus 450 still to win the MVP, and now he's like minus 200. So they pretty much gave Tyree Kill and Justin Jefferson one more week to duke it out. Plus, I assume they're probably thinking that the Tua situation – uh, with Tyreek Hill is probably going to affect those numbers. Oh, it's going to drop Tyreek's numbers considerably, you'd think. You'd think. You'd think that that's probably the end of that race there, especially well, because the Vikings are still trying to, like, fight for a position in the NFC playoffs. So, which yeah. is why I think that the number had jumped significantly. Like, plus 450 to, like, minus 200 is, is significant in one week. Yeah, that's a that's a huge jump. That's a big one. Yeah, I think I got it at plus 650. Yeah. Um, parlay update. Well, I mean, it's still kind of early. LeBron's got 10 points. It's almost halftime. That's not looking good. Jason Tatum's got five points in the first quarter. That's not looking good. And last I checked, Joel Embiid has 20, and John Morant hasn't started yet, but it may not matter for John Morant. But again, it's halftime in the Lakers game, 65-55. LeBron's got 12. So we need a little bit bigger of a second half. We need about 14 in the second half to get going, right? We need about actually 18 would be nice. 18 to 19 in the second half. That's a competitive game. Got to win it. Uh, Embiid, probably a lock at this point. And then Jason Tatum, it's way too early. Um, second quarter just started. 24-24. So we might have a, we might have a duke it out game there. Suns and Grizzlies just started, so. So we got some time. Too early to tell there. Yeah, because ain't nobody scored yet. At least according to this app here on the computer. But where I want to start the 7 o'clock hour is this is a nice defense that's starting to get older and more efficient and more experienced. Because at the beginning of the year, Mitch Holtis told us all, on this program, that this defense was young, that this defense was going to have to learn. It was going to have some battles. It was going to have some ebbs and flows. It was going to be like a roller coaster. 
But the talent that they had that they thought that they could put together in this team, it should all pan out at a certain point in the season. And that certain point might have been Seattle. Defense, unlike offense, is a type of momentum builder. It doesn't matter who you play as long as you show out. Like if the Chiefs were to go up against Denver this weekend and do another 27-0 type of thing, that doesn't really get your offensive needle moving, right? Like you're just like, yeah, well, I mean, like we should put up 27 against Denver. They're terrible. But if a defense goes out and gives up 7 to 10 points and shows out, has a couple sacks, has a couple of this, leaves it to below 10 points, well below, well below what you normally see in the NFL, that's a big morale boost to the defense. And the Chiefs defense has a chance to do that the next three weeks. I guess the next two, if you want to count last week, the last three weeks of the season. Great defensive game against Seattle. Fantastic. That's probably the best you've seen this defense all year long. It's the best complete defense you've seen all year long. And the thing that was great about that defense was the combination that they finally let happen at linebacker. And I've been excited to see this because you got Leo Chennault, Nick Bolton, and Willie Gay all together there. Rookie, second-year, third-year player. All healthy, all a little bit more experienced, and all have a really significant way in which they run their role. Like, Nick Bolton is a just stopgap magnet when it comes to being a middle linebacker. 17 tackles on Saturday, now has over 150 on the season. Willie Gay, I said it earlier this year, he has the greatest play I've ever seen in Chiefs history. The tip pass, interception, stiff arm touchdown to Russell Wilson was the greatest play I've ever seen in Chiefs history. I've never seen a better play athletically, uh, humorously, just freakish. And that type of skill set is within that body of Willie G. And then Leo Chennault, a guy who's a little crazy, but you need that in that position because he's the guy that's going to be able to go out there and go one-on-one with Josh Allen. Because you, you know those plays that Josh Allen likes to do where he fakes the run and then he takes off on the left side with the RPO. Now you've got a guy who's crazy and Leo Chennault and a guy that's fast, quick, and strong. Now you're hoping that he doesn't get out of his mind and try to do something over the top, but it didn't seem like they were trying to do that against Seattle on Saturday. It looked like they just knew their athleticism, knew their role, and knew what they wanted to do. They've learned the game throughout the year. And let's also not forget about George Karloftis. George Karloftis is looking like the DN the Chiefs wanted to draft. The sacks are starting to come around. The pressure is there. The force to be reckoned with is there. Learning as he moves on. Life's a dance. You learn as you go, just like the NFL. From week one to week 15, it's very, very different. And the growth that you're starting to see with this defense is nice. Now, Seattle's offense was missing Tyler Lockett. That's a big man to miss. But it still had Kenny Walker, and it still had Geno Smith, and it still had DK Metcalf, who have been playing well all year. Not great, not poor, well. And the other thing that I loved about seeing this defense on Saturday was when it was time to get out of town and time to pack up the show and head out, Chris Jones let everybody know when that was. 
the sack at the end of the game with 95 being the big badass bully that he is in the middle this year. When he did that and called game, it was over. And if your defense can be just that, just be that defense and build that core, then there's no telling where this team goes in the future. I know. I, go ahead. I know. I know. There, there's like fans that don't like those kind of games from this team because they want to see these guys just go out there and just light it up on offense and just score forty points and whatnot and just they want Mahomes to pad his stats for the MVP and all that. And I understand that. To me, that game on Saturday is the kind of Chiefs game I want to see them play until they get to the playoffs. I want to see that game when they play the Broncos. I want to see that game when they play against the Raiders the week after that. I want to see them go out there and just go peak 2019 and just let's get to somewhere in the in that 24 to 27, maybe even 30 point range and let's hold them under two touchdowns. Let's just play good enough, you know, good offense for what we do. Great defense. Let's just go out there and shut them down, suffocate them. Right. And and to me, that game on, on Saturday was so encouraging because we saw the defense go out there and finally look like a defense that could be an asset for this team in the playoffs. I was really excited. Like, Karloftis, like – you know, we heard all about how much of a power rusher he is. And, like, he's actually been good at, at generating pressure. He just doesn't really get a whole, in a position to actually be able to, to sack the quarterback. He's starting to show pass rush moves. Like, he had a really good that, – that sack he had against the, uh, against the Seahawks. That was like a – that was a speed rush. He didn't just like overpower the tackle. Like you're not sitting here. We're not sitting here thinking Karloff. This is this is this speed rusher off the edge. It was a speed rush right mm-hmm. off the uh, off the off the left side. Beat the right tackle. Got to Geno sack. It was a beautiful play, and he's gener- He's been generating pressure the last few weeks. Four sacks in the last five games. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really impressed with what he's doing. The secondary, they were tackling well, which you know we talked about in the last hour. Tackling really well, but one of the things that was so impressive. These guys are just running regular ass man coverage, Uh like regular ass, basic 1970s man coverage. And they were dominating a team that's got DK Metcalf as they're starting as their top wide receiver. That to me was so impressive. Kenneth Walker wasn't really that much of a factor. And it was just like, that was the kind of game I want to see from the chiefs. The final two weeks of the regular season, just let your defense go out there and just smother the opposing team. Let your offense just go through the motions, score enough points, stay healthy. Don't show too much. And then when you get the playoffs, you dust off the old playoff playbook from 2019 and go try to win another championship. That game was, to me, what I want to see the final two weeks of the season. And I was really happy to watch that on Saturday. Yeah, and somebody on the text line says, Kenny Walker ran all over us. Um, that's not necessarily true. Um, he had 26 rushes for 107 yards. It's a 4.1 average. If that's what you give up to every running back week in and week out, I am satisfied. He had zero touchdowns. And when he got almost 80 of those yards was in the second half when the game was basically 24 to 7. Yeah, and they were just sitting back and just be like, we're going to expect them to to throw the football here and they were running. You have to look at the situational style of the game too. Like you can say that he ran all over you, but the Chiefs are playing back on off on defense. 
They're giving you the run because they just want the game to be over. And that's all the Seattle Seahawks were doing. They were just running the ball, and then that last touchdown they got, that was just one of those, like, all right, just get off the field so our offense can take off, like, four more minutes. Didn't run all over them. DK Metcalf had 81 yards on seven receptions. So, I mean, that defense played a complete game. That's the defense you want. You cannot have a perfect defense in the NFL, I don't think, anymore. Not even Philadelphia's is perfect. San Francisco's isn't perfect. It's close. It's close. And they were great. They were they've been great this year. The Chiefs destroyed them in San Fran when they played earlier this year. So, like, right. just because you play great defense doesn't mean that teams won't run over you if they're good enough. So, let's not go out here and 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 say that oh you, you can't win with like as long as you got Patrick Mahomes you got a chance right you just need your defense to go and make plays when it matters you can't count on your defense going out there and shutting all the best offenses down that's just not how it works and somebody said well should we consider their secondary your secondary is going to get better because your interior linebackers and your exterior linebackers are playing well and if Karloftis starts getting pressure quarterbacks will make decisions quicker that will then boost your morale with your corners Yes, you can still be concerned. I'm going to be concerned with this cornerback team until this season is over because it's just a rookie cornerback team going into the playoffs against arguably some of the best wide receivers the NFL has ever seen. Like, There's a possibility they're going to have to go against Tyreek Hill. There's possibilities Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs. The list goes on and on and on. Though that, uh, that Tyreek Hill matchup is looking it's- less likely every week now. Miami might not even make the playoffs. I know, that's what I'm saying. Like... I mean, they were already on the ropes before the Tua injury. Now Tua, second, third concussion this year and uh, may not play the rest of the year. We'll see. But if not, probably doesn't play on Sunday. Uh, That's not good for them. Yeah. 24-3. Sorry, not 24-7. Final score is 24-10. Again, that's the most complete team that defense has put together. And I love that linebacking core. Love that linebacking core. Two fast guys. One's crazy. One's solid. He's a second-year pro. Coming up next, I know the Chargers are going to make the playoffs. They've already clinched. But they need to do this if they want to have any sort of relevancy in the AFC West moving forward. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. I had a conversation with Alex Gold about this just last week where comeback player of the ward would go. Last week, Geno Smith was the favorite. Saquon Barkley was plus 2,000. Now Saquon Barkley is the favorite at plus 175. Just cannot believe it. Just got to go with your gut sometimes. Just got to feel it out. Whatever. Speaking of feeling with your gut, getting it out, I think I have a way to fix the Chargers. But what's crazy is I don't think the Chargers are going to do it because they're a playoff team. 
And I think their head coach has spent the majority of the year under the microscope pretty successfully. And he's done what he was supposed to do. Now, getting swept by the Chiefs hurts. Playing a majority of the season without your... By the way, Derwin James, dirty player. Dirty player. That hit was obnoxious last night. That was a just classic. Like, that was like a 1980s NFL tackle. That was one of those. You remember uh, Jacked Up? Oh yeah. Whenever they would do, uh, whenever they do like Sunday Night Countdown. Oh like, yeah. That was that would have been like one of the prime plays on Jacked Up. That would I used won. to love that segment back in the day. Can't do it now. Nope, nope. As soon as the concussion stuff started to happen, they had to get rid of it from Monday Night Countdown. Now we're on. You got mossed. Yeah, it's not as good as Jacked Up. Jacked yeah. Up was like I, that pain. was legitimately one of my favorite segments back when I was a kid. Nowadays, it's like yeah. Probably not the best idea to show that stuff now because of the what we know about the game. Right. Yes, we can see your text, and I don't know if the midday guys hate you. Um, but I think if the Chargers are going to be relevant or try to somehow compete, Sean Payton needs to be their head coach. He's the guy in L.A., I think he can handle the pressure because he has a Super Bowl. He's coached in New Orleans, which isn't obviously L.A., but it's a it's a big city. L.A., obviously huge, massive. But everything adds up for Sean Payton to be the next coach for the Chargers. Like, I don't know if the Chargers realize what they have at quarterback and, and how precious time is in the NFL. Like, the Chiefs are getting it down right. Right, They know that the best time that you can win with Patrick Mahomes is in his youth when he's this good. When he gets to the age of like 34, 35, then it can start being like, okay, now we got to go get like some legit talent around this dude. He's not the young whippersnapper he was rolling around the outside of the tackle and, and slinging it sidearm. Who knows? He probably will. You know, Favre didn't last that way. But Justin Herbert, still young, has a lot of talent. One of the better quarterbacks in the league. I think he's a top five quarterback in the NFL. I think he might be the fourth best quarterback in the NFL. Behind Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow. And if you want to win with this guy and you want to take advantage of the youth in the window in the contract, you got to do it now. And you got to go get Sean Payton. Now, I know Brandon Staley's the head coach. And I know he's got this team in the playoffs. They are locked in the playoffs. Going to be the sixth or the seventh seed. So going to get a shot maybe at Kansas City again. But he's the guy that has two things on his, well, I guess there's three check boxes on his list. I want a quarterback that's ready to go. I want a team that's ready to win. And I pick everybody that I want to put in the position that I need, which also means coaching. And I think if you're the Los Angeles Chargers, making the playoffs is great, but you should have done that already. You were supposed to be the better team. Yes, injuries have plagued your season, but everybody on that offense is essentially back. Jared Everett's back. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. Everybody's playing together again on that offense. 
Sean Payton, bring in Frank Reich as your OC slash the other guy that gets in Herbert's ear to help him out kind of as well because that's what Frank Reich has always been known for is kind of like a quarterback whisperer. Play quarterback in the league. And Sean Payton, Frank Reich, team up and collaborate with Justin Herbert and get him on the right page and get that in the right ran system. That's the scary situation for the Chargers. I I think the I mean, I'll say this. Him adding Vic Fangio to his expendables coaching staff that he's putting together. That's a good, really good move for him because Fangio is a great defensive coordinator. He's just an awful head coach. Yeah. Um, I The one thing I wonder, though, and this is something that we've kind of seen with a lot of these coaches, they'll have early success, and then you lose that great quarterback, and you lose some of the talent, and some of the times the, the game kind of passes them. Uh-huh. And Peyton towards the end of his time in new Orleans wasn't, he wasn't like Andy Reed was where like you look at Andy Reed and Andy Reed is able to go and take like a Alex Smith and turn him into a, a 10, 11 game winner almost every year. Mm-hmm. The thing I wonder is what is he going to do different on the offensive end that the chargers aren't doing now? And also one of the things that, that also kind of worries me if I were like looking to take a job like that. Mike Williams is like 28 going on 29. Keenan Allen is like, what, 30, 31? Mm-hmm. At some point, you're going to have to start finding some new weapons for your quarterback. Well, what are you going to do about that? How? What happens if you take guys and you miss and you're not supplying your quarterback with weapons? Because we've seen Herbert do it with some really good talent. You know, He's found a way to turn Mike Williams into like, uh, a potential fantasy breakout receiver to an actual breakout receiver in fantasy. You know, Keenan Allen's been doing it for years with with, with Philip Rivers, so we know what he can do. The issue, though, is like as he gets older, he's already shown an injury. You know, he has a deep, rich injury history in his past. He's kind of showing that this year. And as he gets older, that stuff just doesn't go away. What is he going to do to help keep this offense alive and keep it going? That, to me, is the the interesting part. So uh, certainly re- from a relevancy standpoint, it's big. And if you're going to go out and, and coach it, take over a team uh, who has a, a, a great young quarterback, this is the one to do it. If you obviously can't take the chiefs. Um, but I, the thing I wonder though, is like, is there going to be a point where we kind of realize the game is past Sean Payton because he's kind of like pushing a system that hasn't quite stayed up with the times? Because we see that a lot from a lot of coaches in his position. And I kind of wonder if maybe this is going to be a scenario where he takes it and it's underwhelming. Because, I, I mean, Mike McCarthy was kind of the same way. Even at the end of his time in Green Bay, you could kind of see that the game was starting to pass him. And when he was in Green Bay before, early on, he was seen as this genius, this offensive guru that was able to not only keep the offensive juggernaut that was the Packers going, but make them even better than they were and win a championship with them. I kind of wonder what's going to happen here with, with Peyton. And especially because, you know, you got Patrick Mahomes in your division. 
that's going to be really, really tough there. If if he's not able to go out there and overcome that, and especially if you've got aging stars or or guys who are hurt all the time, like a Derwin James, um, you got guys like that on your team that aren't reliable. This might not go as great as as we think it is from a talent standpoint, because it sure sure as hell hasn't done it this year for the Chargers. They've had a lot of disappointment from talents. J.C. Jackson gets hurt. Keenan Allen has been hurt for a lot of the year. Mike Williams is now having injury issues. You kind of wonder about the consistency with the roster when you've got so many injury-prone guys. Yeah, the three things that I would say that debunk your your conversation there is that the the Chargers have a ton of cap space in the offseason. Like, they don't have a lot of, like, money really tied up in that team. Their team average age is 26, so they can go spend money. They don't necessarily have to get it right with a draft pick. And plus, we know every year receivers jump, money gets spent. Um, The other thing, too, is that Andy Reid in Philadelphia kind of hit a lull. Like, goes 6-10, and then goes 10-6, and goes 8-8, and 9-6, has a couple winning seasons, and goes 8-8, and 4-12, and he's out. And at that point, people could have been like, well, maybe Andy Reid's been figured out. He tried Vic. McNabb run was over. It's not working anymore. Goes to Kansas City, figures it all out, changes everything, and now he just wins nothing but 11 games a season. In fact, he's only won, not won 11 games twice. That was in 14 and in 17. In 14, he won 9. and 17, he won 10. Every single other year, he's won at least 12. So there's money to be spent with the Chargers. There is a quarterback that could be a generational type of talent, which also helps, right? Like he had prime Drew Brees. Mike McCarthy in Green Bay had prime Aaron Rodgers. And Mike McCarthy definitely ran out of out of juice. Like that guy, he's probably going to get fired in Dallas this year. I can't see how that goes any any well for him, especially if Jerry Jones is still just hitting that fire trigger. I mean, I I imagine that he's going to do whatever he can right. to get Peyton down in D-Town. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, he's – because I think, what, Sean Peyton's three teams are like the Rams, the it was, Cardinals. It was the Cardinals, the Chargers, and the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, not the Rams. Yeah, the Cardinals, the Chargers, and the Cowboys. So it's interesting because if you want to beat the Chiefs and you want to take over this seven straight years, always in the AFC Championship, I feel like you got to put a dream team together, and I feel like it starts from the coaching staff. Yeah, I'm, I'm part of that, though, is like Andy, the reason why that team fell off is because they spent a bunch of money in free agency and brought a bunch of guys that didn't fit their system. And, relation- well, and-, and the relationship started to fizzle out between front office and head coach. And when that happens, which I do think that kind of happened in New Orleans, yeah. like like yeah. Breeze was running out of time and Breeze was getting older. And, and Sean and- Payton's like, hey, we got to figure this out. Like we got to. F- and that's what always happens with franchises like. They feel like they owe the guy the world because of what he was for that franchise. And it's like, hey, man, like, eventually you got to just be like, business is business, man. Like, Yeah, they also didn't do a very good job of supplying him with a ton of talent. Right. So they, like, were, they were really hurting, especially after when Breeze retired. And then he like, had this suspension yeah. like with the whole, like, trying to beat Favre with, the, with Greg Williams and stuff like that. And yeah. He had to miss a year. Right. That causes a rift. So, I mean, I think Peyton's probably the best coach on the market considering the rest. Yeah, I think so. I agree with that. I just don't know if like... But you're right. It could fall off. I just... For me, it's like we've seen it so many times happening. And like, and also like the salary cap thing. The Bengals had $36 million of salary cap to fix their offensive line. And their still, offensive line still sucks. So it's like money doesn't always... And, and the Chargers spent a bunch of money in free agency last year. Mm-hmm. J.C. Jackson 
done for the year. You know, yeah. like they spend a lot of money Khalil in free agency. Yeah, and, they they paid Mike Williams, Williams yeah. and you know Mike Williams has played like he's missing a bunch of games now due to injury. So like money doesn't Monday always. Night. Yeah, yeah, but he missed he missed games before that. Oh yeah, um, but like. There's just been like money doesn't always equal success in the league sure. because people don't always spend it wisely. And the Chargers haven't been spending that. So, I mean, some of it's luck, but some of it is just, you know, bad contracts and whatnot. But right. I just feel like as I and I, I do think he's the best option. I just don't I'm not convinced it's a slam dunk move. But I do think that if you are in that situation, you got to go and do what's best for your quarterback. So this this is definitely the move that they should try to make. I just don't know if it's like the slam dunk move like Andy Reid was for Kansas City. Right. It just seems like desperate times and desperate needs, you got to do something very, very drastic. Yeah, you got to do whatever you can to try to help your quarterback win a championship. And so, you got to put a blank I, check on a table, say sign it, put your name on there, and put a price, and we'll make it work. I kind of feel like, though, that Dallas, the job he wants. As much as we, you know, Justin Herbert or Kyler Murray, even though Murray's not probably not going to play next year very much, if at all. I still feel like, like you just think about him and Jerry Jones and Dallas. It just feels like a marriage made in heaven, at least for, from their perspective. Yeah. It always sounds like that with Jerry. And then you, then you live with Jerry. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm sure Mike McCarthy thought the same thing too. It was like, Oh, this will be great. And you don't have it. Obviously now it's different. Oh yeah. Um, we talked about it earlier, but it's always this time of year where you see this type of chiefs team. And I'll go back a couple years and a couple weeks that we're in right now to prove that point. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Nine one three five eight six seven six ten. Jay Southland, Tow Service Text Line. Dusty, a couple of conversations or a couple of observations about Sean Payton. One, he's an overrated head coach. Only one Super Bowl with a Hall of Fame quarterback, underwhelming, and when he did, and when he didn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback, Peyton lost a ton of games, too. Why would he go to Arizona? Could you imagine the personality conflicts between him and Murray? Murray is also one of the, if not most, overhyped quarterbacks in the NFL currently. I never said he was going to Arizona. I said Arizona was a team of interest. Which has been confirmed by multiple people who are close, who are, who know people close to him. Right. I imagine that Sean Payton himself or his agent told them. The only reason Arizona is ever interesting for coaches or players that have done it or go around retirement. They also have a quarterback. I mean, he's not going to take that job if, no. you know, if it's Trace McSorley, that's his projected starting quarterback over the next few years. Another observation I give the nine one three is that Sean Payton has randomly been to two Chargers games this year. Why he's there, no idea. But I know that he has been to those games and they have made it very obvious that he is there sitting behind something, behind a bench, Sean Payton in the house. Now, things weren't always going as good as they are currently going for the Chargers because they were winning. Now they beat a Nick Foles-led Colts team where you want to talk about how maybe Sean Payton might lose a step. I think Nick Foles has no idea what defenses are doing in the NFL. Oh, he's so bad. That was bad. That was he, painful he, to watch. He was so bad. That was, was painful to watch. Laughably bad. I was like, oh, my God. He he literally he looked like a quarterback from the 1970s that got put into today's time period and they never seen teams play defense like this. Was not good. 
Like he, it looked like he never seen a zone defense in his life. As for Peyton, I don't know if he goes to Dallas games. I can't answer that question. 816. I'm sure. I'm sure he sat in a suite with Jerry J. There were rumors of him going. There have been rumors of him going to Dallas since he left the Saints. Right. Like pretty much all year long. We've heard rumors about him going to the Saints. I mean, going to the Cowboys. Right. So, you know, I, I definitely think, especially because, like, we've heard on the end of, of the Cowboys that there might be some interest there. Sure. So, yeah, I definitely, that's a, a legitimate connection there. Right. Now, again, I don't know if the Chargers, I don't know if they're going to fire Brandon Staley because they made it to the playoffs, but it just still seems like they made the playoffs, but it's still kind of one of those, like, yeah, but... We we didn't do anything in our division. Um, we're struggling. And it's not going to get any better. But what I want to talk about with the Chiefs is that this seems like this is when the season starts. Is the last four games of their season. And in 2019, to finish the season, now I do the last four games, and I've done the last three years. 2019 is the Super Bowl year, right? You remember that one? They beat the Chargers in the final game of the regular season. They beat the Bears 26 to 3. They beat the Broncos 23 to 3. And they beat the Patriots 23 to 16. 4 0. 2020, 3 1. 2021, 3 1. I believe the 2020, the reason they were 3 1 is because they played the backups against the Chargers. So they just basically were like, hey, we're not playing our starters. You guys win. That's great. Last game of the year was a terrible game. The Chiefs lost. It was a rest of the starter game. So an irrelevant loss, three, and if you want to count it. But in three years, in the last four games of the season, from 19, 20, 21, the Chiefs are 10 and 2. 10 and 2 in those games. Last year, you know the story. They lost to Cincinnati, then lost to Cincinnati in the AFC Championship game, but won three of their last four games. They turned it on at the right time of the year. Now this year you could be like, well, their last four games of the season this year are Houston, Seattle, Denver, Vegas. Sure. Nonetheless, they're winning those games. So, so far this year, they're two and zero in their last four games. Do you want to go ahead and say they're going to win this week? You want to go ahead and be safe and say that this game is probably a win. Probably. Okay. Vegas. I don't know. Because I don't know. Uh, probably I mean, a win. Probably a win there. Right? It's in Vegas. It's on the road. Vegas has really nothing to play for. It's checkout game. Oh, they they got they want to beat the Chiefs. They That's it, though. They haven't beaten the Chiefs at Allegiant. So, yeah, they want to beat them. And it's the last game of the year. So, I don't know how many players are necessarily, like, zoned in. Just like I think in this Denver game, that defense last week. Out, oh, man. We're ready to go to Panama City. We're not, we're not wanting to do this football thing anymore. Our quarterback is terrible. He talks to our offensive lineman with a football in front of his face. He couldn't use his hand? No, nah, dude, it's like, rough, He man. was like, let me put a football. <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> he couldn't take one of the Surface tablets and put it in front of his face. He had, like, I see players all the time just use their hand, especially like the NBA. Right. They'll use their hand or they'll use their jersey and cover it up. No, not Russ. He's just got to use a football. So this is when it starts for the Chiefs. This is when the machine gets re-oiled. It gets the tune-up. The tires get the air in it. The windshield wiper fluid is filled. 
There are no check engine lights. It's tuned up, ready to go. The ebbs and flows of a Chiefs season continue to be the same. We question the defense at the beginning. We question the offense in the middle. We figure out this team's ready to rock and roll and get ready for the playoffs. You lost to Cincy twice last year, and in 2020, the L.A. game, they they rested their starters. That's the only reason those losses exist. Otherwise, 4-0, 4-0, 4-0, and this year, probably going to go 4-0. This year, it's a little bit easier the way the schedule stacks up. But again, like we said, or like Chris said earlier, and I said, that's the best this team has looked to me personally all year from both si- all sides of the ball. Doesn't matter about your competition. Don't play to your competition's level. Play to your level. Play to your standard level. The gold standard. Do that. And the Chiefs tend to do that every single time this time of the year. One thing that we always get this time of year is the playoff picture. And the playoff picture, my friends, whether you want to believe it or not, it's one piece from completion. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Fesco in the morning, weekdays starting at 6 on 610 Sports Radio. All right, final segment of the 7 o'clock hour of the show flying by. Yeah, I can't believe it's uh, almost 8 o'clock. Yeah, it seemed like just like five minutes ago we were out in the bullpen just chit-chatting. Yeah, you were giving me the early stages of your parlay. Mm-hmm. Should we give the people an update? Yeah, yeah, okay. you might as well you might as well do this. Okay. Oh man. All right. LeBron James needs eight points. He's got 24. The fourth quarter just started. Joel Embiid has already completed his parlay leg. He's got 32 points or whatever he's got. He's got like 33 now, so that's over. Jason Tatum, currently playing. He needs 30 points. He's got 19. Third quarter just started. John Morant sitting at four. That's the, that's the questionable curveball now. We need John Morant to get really hot at some point in this game. Suns are locking him down. He got two baskets in the first quarter. I was going to say, they got, they're doing pretty good. He got a three-pointer and a free throw or something like that. He's getting out, he was getting outscored by Jock Landale in the first Ugh, quarter. Hate to see yeah, it. Backup center for the Suns. Can't be, can't be getting outscored by him. He was almost getting outscored um, by Devin Booker, and he's not even playing. Yeah, he's not even playing. Yeah, he's he's got a I think he's got a groin injury. So Hate to see that, out. man. That dude, he's been hurt a lot the last couple months. So you know, it's unfortunate. Yeah. It is what it is. So the power rankings are out. I guess we could start there. And of course, the Chiefs aren't at the top. I mean, I don't think you expect that, right? Like, they're not going to be. And Niners are the top. Niners getting a lot of love because they just—they're not losing, and they're—they're they're just really Niners. Yeah. yeah, they moved up three places. Who, what, who, who was this? ESPN? PFF. PFT, what? Or P, it's PFT. Pro Football Talk. What? They have the Niners. Oreo thinks that the 49ers who lost the Chiefs by what, 21 or 23, mm-hmm. thinks that they're better than Chiefs. Brock Purdy, man, must be the guy. Oh, my God. Mike Florio, he got the good stuff over there mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh. So he's got the Niners at one, plus they moved up three spots. Uh, 
Buffalo Bills, number two in the power rankings. Kansas City Chiefs, number three. Philadelphia and the Niners switch spots. So he took the Philadelphia Eagles out of first, moved them to fourth, moved the Niners from fourth <laughs> to first, and left the Bills and Chiefs the same, even though Patrick Mahomes solidified MVP, beat Seattle without any sort of hesitation, and the Bills are doing what they're doing, yet they're two and three. Brock Purdy. That's right. <laughs> Defense wins championships. That must be Florio's MO. Yeah, this is 1995. What? Right. They scored 44 points on that defense. That's right. The other thing that's almost solidified for the NFL and the AFC side of things is that there's one spot left to the playoffs. There is one spot left. And according to NFL rumors on Twitter, there will be one NFL playoff spot remaining after the game in the AFC or after, I guess they said this game. So last night, after the Chargers and, and Colts played, the Chargers clinched with a win, knocking out another spot. The musical chairs of the NFL season is continuing down to one chair and one song left. Currently, the Dolphins own that final wild card spot. So as is, Buffalo one seed, Chiefs two seed, Cincinnati three seed, Jacksonville four seed. Those are your seedings right now in the NFL playoff picture. You're five, six, seven. Baltimore's five. The Chargers are six. And your seventh seed is the Dolphins. Patriots, Titans, Jets, Steelers, Raiders all have a chance to get that final spot. Obviously, the lower you get into those names, Raiders, like everybody has to lose. They have to win. Steelers, kind of the same thing. Jets, not so much. Titans, they're just going to have to beat Jacksonville in the last game of the season to win that division to get in. So that spot really between them, Patriots, Dolphins, very juicy. So when you look at that and you think and you and you let that sink into your to your brain about what the playoffs look like or where they're going, really you just got to look at that last team that gets in because that's probably the team you're playing if you don't get the one seat. It will be the team you're playing if you don't get the one seat. Chargers probably going to be the sixth seed. Depending on what the Cincinnati Bengals and Ravens do in the last week of the season, that'll be your five and three seed. Your four seed is going to be the South winner, which is going to either be the Col- or it's either going to be the the Jags or it's going to be Tennessee. Who, by the way, Derrick Henry's not practicing. Ryan Tannehill's out for the season. Maybe Tennessee should just forfeit the season. Like, hey man, go do it, Dougie P. Go get beat in the first round against like the Chargers, which. You want to talk about the Chiefs getting help, but the Jags can beat the Chargers and the Jags, you know, you never know, man. <laughs> Dude, if the Chiefs were to play if the, in the divisional if, round to go to the AFC Championship, play the Jags. Oh, my God. That'd be so hilarious. There's a possibility that could happen, though. That's the crazy part about this playoff scenario right now. Doug Peterson comes into Arrowhead for a second ass. He wants, he wants more. <laughs> I'd love that. <laughs> Please. He's a, he's a glutton for punishment. He needs some more of that ass whooping there at Arrowhead. I'd love that. But what I love about this time of year is how ugly and fun it is. Because what's that guy's name? It's uh, Kornacki. Is he the one that does all the numbers and he's like the does like the political stuff and he does the NFL playoff picture? I oh, think I, yeah, I know. I, I know. I know who you're talking about. The khaki, I don't know white, his... the khaki pants, white yeah, shirt guy for like a MSNBC. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember his name. I but think I, he shares the same name as Karen. He probably Kornacki probably is an accurate name. I for think him. that's his last name. Yeah, I think it might yeah. be Joe Kornacki. Yeah, it sounds like somebody who would be on MSNBC doing numbers. Right. That sounds like what he would be called. And I think that his job is what makes this so much fun to watch and how entertaining it can be. 
Because that's what it is. There's one seed left. There's not a whole lot of time. Steve Kornacki is his name. Steve Kornacki. Friend of the show, Alex Gold lets us know. Did he text you? He did. He texted you That's directly. Right. We're boys. He, he didn't even he didn't even hit up the text like he texted no. you to directly. When you know that when you know the man's number, you text that's how you know your pull when it comes to somebody on the show. I guess. Like if I wanted to say something to Carrington, I'm not texting nine one three five eight six. I'm did texting he, boom, did he, straight to see that. Did he take the time to like is he like like is he doing something just happened to be listening, or did he like take time? He likes to the listen? show. He really went out of his way to listen. He to knows this. I talk about parlays. Yeah. He knows I really need LeBron to get hot in these final seven minutes. Did he tail your parlay? No. Oh. He's smarter, better than that. Gold <laughs> makes the right bets. Like so his, it's the reason why he gets the two-hour show on Thursday nights. One, but yeah. It's interesting, though, to look at this picture and look at how ugly it gets because Miami, New England, Jacksonville or Tennessee – it's all fun, and it's, it's, it's great how we think that we can figure out how everything's going to fall into place. One thing that's been true all year is one and two seed, you knew what that was going to be. It's Buffalo or Kansas City, nothing else. And now we get to sit back and see who makes it, who doesn't, what the weird case scenarios are, who's in, who's out, and we get to watch Steve Kornacki go absolutely nuts. I dig it. I even get into it when he does the political thing. Like, he'll let you know who's possibly going to win the political race just by states that finalize their votes. If this state wins, he gets a 19% boost increase to win the group. Like it's just easy. Yeah. I like He's I, something else, man. He's I like great. when they have like John King on CNN, he's hitting, oh, yeah. the, hitting the buttons on the little board there. That's all. Or like there's this guy named Dave Wasserman mm. on Twitter. And whenever he wants to call a race, he's like, I've seen enough. Oh, like, I love it. It's like, yeah, that's a good gimmick right there. Like he should do it on TV. Like I've seen enough. I'm calling this race for this candidate. That's, that's, that's cool. So you you got to have a gimmick when you're in that field. Got to have it. And you got to be entertaining. Yes. Yeah. You can't just be like, well, these numbers say this. You got to do it. Ex- you got to do it in some sort of like the entertaining mad fashion. money. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so, 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 so. Yeah, what is it? Jim Cramer who yeah. gives terrible uh, bye, advice. Bye, 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 bye. If you take his advice, you'll lose money. It's like those guys on Sunday morning that do betting shows. <laughs> You're going to want to go to this game right <laughs> don't, now. Don't say that. Like, it's Mexican imagine you. They pay us for that. Well, whoops. Coming up next, I think this is the best the Chiefs have looked all year, and it's the right time of year to do it. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views.